too. The cool part is you just sit down and it's already going. Oh, good. Yeah, the, that's a really nice microphone. Well, oh, excellent. It's really nice, actually. So thanks for coming in. Yeah. This is real. This is, I was actually surprised that having, you know, what I told you before, the um, one the reason why I set it up the way I did was just like if I get to them, I can, and I never put myself on an actual, if somebody wants to, awesome. I'll throw out the invite and everything, but it doesn't always happen. You know, things happen. Right. right. And, you know, no big deal. But it's really just, I like talking about Flipside and Burns. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those, uh, it's a it's a way for me to get to do that without bothering everyone else I know. <laughs> People that I actually like, that totally. like to go. I totally, it's a geeking out. I get to, it is, to geek it out. Is. Well, I've been looking forward to talking with you um, ever since you brought it up. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't, we haven't seen it at the times. And I've been working on some other projects. And I thought, you know what, let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. sit down. And... So when did you actually start going to Burns or Flipside? My first burn... Uh, was Flipside. Mm-hmm. It was 2005. I had moved to Austin, Texas in 2004 in October, and I had made just a very small handful of friends. And I actually called up friends and said, hey, what are you guys doing later this weekend? They're like, we're going to this thing. It's kind of Burning Man-ish. And I barely knew of that from random, like these super random uh, internet searches that we were doing back when the internet was young. It's like year 2000. Uh-huh. We used to sit around. I was living in a communal house in San Diego, and we would just sit around and just type in fart.com or pig.com just to see what would come up. Mm-hmm. And somehow in all this, we came across Burning Man, and it just seemed so ethereal and magical and quite frankly dangerous and terrifying. And it just caught in my brain. And so when I heard about this, I said, I want to go. They said, You can't get tickets. It's too impossible. <laughs> Um, someone ended up getting me a ticket. I PayPal'd them, and I got the ticket the day of the event and went out there, and it just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to every flip side since, and a handful, Burning Man once, and a handful of other burns. Of course, Freezer Burn, some other stuff. Yeah, That's awesome. Who, who do you camp? I mean, you camp with a Red Camp, right? I'm a Red Camper. You're a camp. I joined Red Camp their second year, and I've been with them since. Wow. Yeah, so that'll be 10 years at Red Camp for me. 10 years at Red Camp. That's cool. Yeah, it's just, I, I see that there's a lot of, it's really kind of funny whenever you're with, you know, a, an older camp, you just see the infrastructure, like, wow, this place has got to have been here for a long while, you know, <laughs> just with the infrastructure that you have, it's it's really cool. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things I really like about burn events, and I really wish I could figure out a word for it, are the experiences that are really just for you. Hmm. You know, it's it's the, you know, you're walking 10 feet in front of me. And you see something that now a day later, if you see me, it's like, did you see that? You were right there. Like, oh, oh yes. Yeah, I love those. You have any of those kind of experiences? Oh, my very first flip side is one of the best ones. Is that, and I, uh, I'm going to have to track you down and find you. I believe your name is Mike, but I'm going to have to find you. We had, uh, I was camping with two other friends, and we had landed in a little shady spot right before you got to the cattle guard at rec plant for those of you who know rec plant and know the old years uh, it was the last year that we were at rec plant uh, and i was sitting in a chair trying to just to assimilate a little bit acclimate and this naked man walked up to me and he's just standing with his junk right at eye level standing <laughs> right next to me and was just like hey how's it going and my, he had brought us over some balloons, and he just had some snacks. And about that time, somebody came by 
with just shots of tequila. It was totally fun. And this guy was kind of around all weekend, and but he was never around when anybody else was except for the three of us to talk <laughs> about him. So we kept laughing about that he was the ghost of Flipside. And then for years, I would tell the, continue to tell the story because we had these great interactions with him. And it seemed like whenever stories about him came up, nobody knew who we were referring to. Nobody, until he made a mark for himself many years later. Nobody knew who we were referring to. Nobody knew, uh, like, if we were making this stuff up or whatever. And so he became a snuffleupagus of <laughs> burning Flipside. Never around when you wanted him. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just love those. That That's kind of one of the um, magical things about Burns, where yeah. it's it's you could be walking 10 feet in front of me and have a completely different experience than me you know, walking right behind. Yeah, did you guys see that 20-foot glowing Santa tortoise, or did I make that up? And everybody's like, I think that one's on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this, is this real? Because I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure if it's real or not. I, I love those. I love hearing them too. That's that's also no. What was your flip side like? Because I want to know that story. Because it could be. It's going to be completely, completely different than, you know, mine. And I love those. Those are those are great. We always threaten, and we have a couple years. We one year we had a year of overheard phrases. You know, uh, which are again, I can make them up, but they're just as likely to be true as to say. Did anybody see where I put my flashing, you know, deer head antlers or whatever? And uh, we did a book like that once at Red Camp of overheard stuff. We did a year of overheard poetry when we actually had a poet with us who brought a typewriter with red ink. That's a little shout out to Abe, uh, Mr. Brother. And um, we've always threatened to have little, you know, did you see this in the moment type things. But And, it, you know, we want to live in the moment too, but... I would love to see a long list of those from year after year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next one I have for you is like, uh, excluding last year, because last year was really hard for everyone. What's, what's a hard time that you've had at a burn? It, it doesn't just have to be weather-related, or do you, do you have anything like that? You know, I do have one from last year um, that wasn't necessarily rain-related, because mm -hmm. um, I know that was what was tricky. Last year was... Uh, actually, it was kind of two years in a row, but really last year I felt it. And I'm so grateful to my friends who were with me at the time to help me manage it. Is when I first started going to Flipside, I appreciated the anonymity of the whole thing, is that I didn't have all the baggage that I brought in with me from all the other roles that I played in life. And that was really nice. And now that I've been there for 12 years and I've become more involved, and gratefully so, anonymity is not really a luxury anymore. And I find that when I want to go out for a walk by myself, what I really find myself is being hailed into one camp after another mm -hmm. and finding myself more socially taxed outside of camp than if I had just crawled into my cot. And so it was just at the beginning of the burn last year and I had, uh, I was walking through the mud and I had uh, people screaming out my name from two different directions. And I, a person I was with was really, really lovely. She saw sort of the moment of overwhelmedness on my face and just stood up and raised her hands and said, for the time being, Doug Not Funny All is not available. Because <laughs> um, you could just see that I was just socially maxed out and it was right before the burn. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. I was able to go back and connect with everybody later and get hugs and stuff. But it was, 
it doesn't seem like much to tell that story that quick, but it really piqued me out. So I really encourage people, especially if you're an introvert, to make sure you have a plan for solace. I really recommend volunteering for guardians because that's just a couple hours of solid time up out on the edges by yourself, and mm -hmm. that's it's a great um it's a great experience because I've had one of those one of my toughest years was uh, 2013, and I did volunteer a lot that year. <clears throat> it was also a couple of tough things personal, but those uh, that year was very difficult for me, and it, it was capped off with I mean we had two really good years beforehand of just no rain no problems mm. and that year was just the first time I've had to deal with you know the rainy flips that I've always heard about you know and <clears throat> and so with that with a couple other things and I, I did get to volunteer with that and I, and I volunteered to uh, do the burn shift. For guardians, that was my, you know, my whole like that was my sacrifice for Flipside that year. So I'm not going to see the burn because I'm going to be working guardianship that that year. And and one of the, it was a hard time, but it was also made a lot easier because my brother actually saw I did that and then volunteered the same shift with me. So I got to spend oh man. watching not watching the burn, but with my brother hanging out the entire time. It was it was it made that burn. Without that one, I could just say that was the worst year I've ever had. But because of being able to spend that time outside of the craziness with my brother, just hanging out and talking, going through, you know, just talking for six hours, essentially. Oh, man. It was awesome. <clears throat> it made that burn a lot better than, you know, I could just look at it and go, oh, it was terrible. No, I'm going to look at it like that was actually a very good experience in a rough year. You know, the, you know the whole world is this way, but Flipside is so... Uh, the experience of Flipside can be delicate to your attitude. Um, it really is one of those places where if you, you know, I remember, you know, burning mudslide, which was like 2010 or 11 or something years ago when we had, a, that was when we were at the last location out at Flat Creek. And uh, I forget the effigy or anything like that, but I remember seeing some people just melt down because it was so cold and so wet and, we weren't going to flood, but it was gross. Mm -hmm. And watching other people burst into song and, you know, tip back more beers, readjust everything. Our camp was, Red Camp was just decimated due to um, my poor leadership and putting up the dome <laughs> that year. And, and we ended up just with little hovels, little caves, little corners, and people singing show tunes and people cuddling up in these little caves from the remnants of our camp. And it was one of, it's a highlight memory. So so many of those critical moments that you think are just really going to end your experience at Flipside sometimes turn into the great moments, mm -hmm. especially of real humanity. The one thing I would say, though, to everybody is, um, I guess I thought in being there for so many years, you can assume that you're ready for anything or that you're, you know what you're doing when you get there. And you can never, the truly seasoned burner knows to take a great self-assessment before you go in and to know what your limits are and what you need to have to maintain, besides water, to it maintain sanity. It seems like there's always, there's always a different challenge every year. Mm. It doesn't really matter if it's a, um, you know, like a really perfect weather year or, right. or I mean, even, even, I want to say it was 2012 was the year that we... Um, we were heading out. That's when we had a blowout on our trailer, and this was a trailer that's completely packed full of, you know, three hundred gallons worth of water and all that on the way to the property. 
you know, not even there. Yeah, it's, blow it's, out on the tires. Like, boom! This is what you could start off with. Yeah, and well, and knock on wood, who wants a perfect year? I've never grown from not. It's usually the crazy stuff that happens, or that really super annoying neighbor. We did knock on wood right about now. I'm, there. <laughs> I'm setting myself up for trouble, but uh, it yeah, it's those challenges that make it so much better than a vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The um, <clears throat> what has there any been? There, my brother's always told me that whenever he would go he'd always have like an epiphany like once a year mm. that was one of the things that he'd always like look forward to something it could hit him at one point you have any of those where it's just oh this is now what i'm learning here well you know i'm a huge analytical thinker i'm an academic uh most people don't know me that way but i'm really i'm really trained as an academic and so i'm always gleaning moments or insights or doing analysis or reflecting um uh, so i have more of those than not. I think um, I will have to, this is another shout out uh, to the fancy ladies. I would have to say that most of my moments of great insight, not most of them, but a good portion of them have come while sitting with this one particular group of ladies uh, with their teacups, bow ties, and top hats, where we get a moment to sit around together and reflect. One year, one of my great moments um, was with the fancy ladies at the beginning of the event and everybody was talking about how excited they were and how jazzed they were. And then we were just kind of stuck with each other for a moment. And I was like, I'm not in the mood for Flipside. I'm not, I'm certainly not in the mood for a party, but here I am. I did all this work, so I showed up. So I'm just going to go looking for something beautiful to come out of that. And the ladies were like, that's exactly what I was thinking, that I'm not here ready to party, but I... I need something more, a little deeper than that. And so I'm going to go looking for something a little deeper, a little more insightful to happen. And it was almost that moment of just agreeing to look for something, for a deeper sense of mission than just a party, that became my moment of insight, of reach out and to share. <laughs> that, that moment became um, one of the great insights is to actually reach out and to share your interest in going deeper with people because uh, they're likely to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> so do you consider the FG burning like a transcend- transcendental thing, or is it a, a just big structure fire? I mean, what do you consider? Because that, that's one thing that always I'm always curious with. One of the biggest things that I have, the reason why I talk about Flipside so much, and Burns really, is is it's there's so, many, so much misconception hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. At least the ones that I've talked to, it's, you know, you, you mentioned Burning Man. What's the immediate thought that people go through their head? It's Big Party. It's Devil Worship. Blah, blah, blah. You know, things, like, <laughs> things like that. You've, sure. I, I've seen oh, it. Yeah. And it's one of those, no, this is how, you know, this is what. It's not. Just try and, trying to explain what's really not explainable, I guess. And. I think we could do better than that. Um, not than what you're saying. What you're saying, I think, gets right at the heart of the matter. I, I think we can do better than what a lot of our answers have been um, in society to these kinds of experiences and moments. If you want to ask me what's transcendent, I will answer the true, the beautiful, and the good. I stick to the classics. I think God is transcendent. I think beauty is transcendent. I think that something that is beautiful participates in beauty. So. 
if I think that these that the burns themselves are transcendent, no. Um, I think they they participate in something bigger than themselves. Yes, uh, I think they're moments of communal effervescence in the in the language of uh, Emil Durkheim, who said that who actually explained a lot of religions as people coming together and building something of a totem, and then sharing these totem moments, which is precisely what we do, and then we ritualize it. And in those burning of those moments, whether people are letting go whether people are holding on, whether people are going deeper or getting out of it, mm -hmm. that something is happening and that that's that effervescence that we share. I don't want to push it to being transcendent because I want to accept it for the beauty. It's most transcendent when I name it for being precisely and only what it is. And that is a great community coming together and sharing a moment that makes us us. Mm -hmm. And that then becomes incredibly powerful. But not transcendent in and of itself. Transcendent because we make something beautiful and therefore it participates in beauty. That I can get behind. Yeah. I had the um, I had the actual pleasure of taking mom my mom to freezer burn. Oh, great! It was it was awesome, and it's one of those I I, I unwittingly set her up for it. It was really funny because last year, I she came in for Eeyore's birthday, and it's one of those. All right, let's. Try and see how she <laughs> baby goes steps. With, it, exactly, that's what it was. It was one of those. All right, let's see how she reacts to this, because it's not similar, but there's the same kind of flavor there a little bit, you know. And totally fine. Had a great time. And she comes back here and we watch the uh, the Spark documentary. Oh, right, this is, nice. This was, this was in my kick of I should. I'm going to be more yeah, yeah, open yeah, and yeah. honest with what I, I. This is what I do. You know. Sure, sure, sure. So all right. I've been doing a lot of these types of events. You need to watch this just so you know kind of what I'm, I'm getting into, right? Coming out to your mom. Pretty much. Pretty, I'm a burner mom. <laughs> Don't know what to tell you. Watch this show. And so went through that. We'll let her watch that. And that's when last year I decided I'd go to Burning Man in July. And so then I went. And it was really kind of funny because now that I've, I accidentally <laughs> laid the groundwork, for, okay, this is what I do. Check this out. This is these type of things. And then it became, I want to go to Burning Man. Had no problem with it. I could explain. Now, she's kind of seen some bit of it, you know? And then yeah. it became down after. And when I got back, she took more pictures than I thought I would. And then it became, well, can't take her to, can't take her to flip side. That's just a bit overwhelming. But Freeze Burns a nice little thing there. Yeah, it's a little pair a little, just a little parity. <clears throat> It's, it, it was really the size thing. It's, you know, 3,000 people versus like 1,000. That's probably what she can handle. And so it was really quite funny to see the reaction of, oh, this is way different than, than you know, even on the TV, you know, from the documentary. Not just, just the same kind of style, you know, but she was blown away by, like, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. You know, like the, um, mm. I could tell you that the, the effigy's big fire and blah, blah, blah. She didn't expect yeah. any of it. It was the funniest things. Like, what was the best part? The burn was awesome. I didn't expect any of that. See, now you're yeah. getting it. And I always try, and I've said it a billion times now, that a burn is pretty, like the easiest way to describe a burn besides, you know, an art festival. I think that's, that's kind of 
But I also think it's kind yeah. of a compound. But to, to keep it on a level, it's the Matrix. It's the Matrix. That's what it is. I can I can describe all these things for you. Check this list. It's this. It's this. It's this. It's this. But you're never going to really know until you see, see it. it. Until you yeah. see it. And then it's gotten even further for me of, it's not the fact that you know you should go, blah, blah, blah. It's you need to be ready to go as well. I have a friend of mine that hopefully is coming this year. And I invited him three years ago. You want to go? We can get you going. And uh, it wasn't until like November. That's when he said, "We're ready to go." So it was actually him taking. It was him taking the red pill, of right. ready to go. And now you're going. And it, sure, it, sure, it's sure. just the matrix to me. It's it's that I can't really explain it to you. You're just gonna have to kind of see it. Yeah, and some of the stuff that makes it um, that makes it. The, the actual elements that make it what it is, to me, one of the biggest things that really sets a burn apart from other kinds of events is that it is a gift economy. Mm-hmm. It's when you, and that, that effort to decommodify stuff, uh, and that gift economy where people are actually eager to give you something. And, and I think that's when we do it best. There's a lot of bars where they, they're, you know, I'm amazed that people go home with as much liquor as they do sometimes because there's a lot of bars that are open, but sometimes you don't know it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I love that's also abundance. I mean, it's also a sign of people bringing more than enough. So it's a good sign. But I love it when people are really aggressive about getting out there and letting people know they're welcome in that camp and they want to give them something. They want to feed them in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. with breakfast tacos coming out of the butt of a giant elephant like in my first year did that gift economy is the thing that is the least explicable of all of them that really adds to the magic because nothing nothing really can um capture or limit that experience of being cared for by a stranger or near stranger that is quite as profound that's where we get i think closest to transcendence mm-hmm is really in the gift economy. It's, it's one of the neatest things, and that's one of, uh, I'd, I'd like to stress to my, my newbie coming in, is that um, with, with Steaming Pot, we have, we have a lot of work to do, but the, the, one of the best things that he can just as a, as a, as a newbie is to bring a gift. Mm. Bring lots of them. Mm. And it doesn't have to be anything huge or big, but it's one of the coolest things to, to actually do. Something you can okay. use in a moment or keep for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Those are the best yeah, advice I, I was ever given. That that's one thing I'd like to just, no no make something do something have something personal that is uh, that's for you to give out. So that's mm-hmm. going to be one of the coolest things. And then you're you're going to do that. Then get get it right back. You know? Always yes yeah. It, it's one of the neatest experiences. Do you have any um, advice to newbies to Burns? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, I think it has to come out of some of the stuff I was just saying is, you know, find yourself really willing to receive and volunteer, find ways to give. You have nothing to prove, but the real secret of people's experience is participation. If you come and you give yourself to participation, you will have a great experience. I agree with that. I think it's... it's you know, it's it's that um, willingness to participate. You know, it's it, what was the, the the best thing that I've heard. Um, it was I don't remember exactly what it was. It was, a, it was a podcast I did listen to, and it was an excerpt of a book about Burning Man, and it was uh, getting permission to play. 
that, mm. that this is the place where you have permission to. Yeah. That's, I thought that was a brilliant, oh, that's great. Yeah. Like, you have permission to play. That was awesome. Um, <clears throat> so, um, all right. There's one. I, I, so the ten principles, the yes. um, the principles, guidelines. What do you think of them exactly? Well, that's a broad question. It um, is a broad question. <laughs> um, I I've had lots of conversations about the the ten principles and the three principles. I think, um, and I believe this firmly, I'll be glad to argue this with people backwards and forwards, I think what we really have is ten practices. Mm -hmm. um, leave no trace, <coughs> excuse me, leave no trace is not a principle, it's a practice. Um, Decommodification is something that we, we intend to practice. Uh, uh, being responsible for your own experience, um, or set radical self-reliance in the in the ten principles, that's a practice, not and a practice in the sense not of uh, I practice the piano or uh, I you know I I practice speaking Spanish, but it's more like of a law practice or a medical practice. This is a set of different things that come together of different actual behaviors that come together towards this end. So when you have the 10 practices of Burning Man, and what I love about them is that you don't have to believe in practices. Principles, you kind of have to espouse or embrace them somehow. Practices, you don't. You're saying, this is just the minimal, here's how we all agree to play along. It's just a very basic social contract. These are what we expect from you. This is what you can expect from us. So the 10 practices are in place. Once you have those 10 practices in place, I think that the what we call the three principles, I think, are really like the three pillars. They are the things that we sort of are putting our faith in that makes the 10 principles or 10 practices, I would say, make sense. So uh, I wish I had a list of the 10 practices, because I have 10 principles, because I forget them um, uh, all at once. But... <clears throat> with the three principles, the self-expression, the accountability, and, uh, and cooperation, um, those are the things that you really do have to believe that it exists. You don't have to put your faith in them like, I count on them to get me through life or anything. You just have to believe that self-expression is a thing, accountability and cooperation are a thing, and that those are the pillars that drive what we do. Once you have that, then the ten principles really break that down into what that concretely has to look like. I find it interesting with <clears throat> because practice is a really good way to describe them, but I from seeing some of the um, in action, I guess not in action, but them in action. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's some of them are more weighted than others. It seems mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. and that's very weird to me. The, um, not saying that this is a bad thing or whatever, but, you know, we have... Come on, throw down for me, Bree. They have a... Just say, this sucks. I'm about well, to name it. It has nothing to do with it. It sucks. It's the, <laughs> the, the, the hard and fast one, as far as I'm concerned, has been the leave no trace. Period. That yes. is what it's supposed... That is it. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. But I don't... Even when people suck at it. Even when people suck at it. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be one of those, but... 
it's such high on there. We have a, and this is for all the burns, all the ones I've been to where they have, you know, the loop list and these things, but there's also the, it's like the, the high end right there, but some of them aren't necessarily taken to that. And one of them I think is the radical inclusion is not nearly as looked upon as this is, this should be high up. And I think it should be just as high as leave no trace. I think that's, that's, insanely important for a burn and its you know sustainability to a certain extent yeah and help me out with this because i'm not disagreeing with you in any way i'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you but help me flesh this out so what would you in your mind what would being more inclusive look like well um, <clears throat> i've said this before at other other things is the um with the attitude of sparkle ponies Right. Butt hurt. Mm -hmm. Things that I've heard, not just in the Austin community, but in other places, but that just doesn't seem like the inclusive kind of place. If you're going to call people the newbies, sparkle ponies, that's it's kind of rude. You know, they might have the best of intentions. You know, that's and it, it's kind of it kind of gets a pass, a little bit. And I don't think I, I'd rather have you know my my newbie who's never been before. It's going to be awesome. I want him to experience everything that I got to. But if he comes in and gets yelled at for, you know, doing something not, not necessarily bad, just, hey, man, first burn kind of thing, you know, whatever. Where's the trash can kind of thing? We're just asking where the trash can is. Ah, oh, you sparkle pony. You don't know anything. So oh, that's, sure. That's, yeah, that's, that'd that's, be awful. That, that's not what I necessarily want to hear. I'd rather see a lot more inclusive in, in nature and... And that goes along with what I have a problem with any type of burn. It's a very weird um, thing that I see in the burn community is uh, you want to be inclusive, but then you also want to be hella snarky and sometimes shitty to people. And I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a fair amount of snark in our community. I think it's sexually transmitted snark. Uh, and so everyone has a little bit of it from each other in mm -hmm. this community. Uh, it's interesting you should pick on inclusion though because if there's any one, if, um, there's two of the burning our principles that I would love to see reworded stat would be uh, radical self-reliance. Mm -hmm. um, I think that just emulates more of the culture that we're trying to, to like, that you get the sense that we're trying to resist. This has been a communal effort from the beginning. And I think that self-reliance makes sense, being responsible for your own experience. Calling it radical, it, it just it gives me a beef because uh, uh, I don't know what that is. I don't, if I'm going to be more radically self-reliant than you are. Um, but it, it really smacks of the hyper-individualism that gets us into a mess where art doesn't matter anymore, community doesn't matter anymore. And those are the two of the things that are things central to, our, to mm -hmm. who we are. Uh, the other one is inclusivity, and I would love to see that language change to hospitality. Mm. I think that's hospitality. Inclusivity is actually not a sort of a made-up word. Uh, it's a very modern sort of language that we'd like to pick up. It's, but it doesn't, there's not actually any specific practices that you can point to and say, here are the practices, or here's the, here's the behaviors that go with inclusivity. But hospitality is really about creating a space and setting it for other people and then engaging them in a way that makes them feel like they're important to the process. And if we all did that for each other, and I don't mean like 
flip side is to be one place, but I mean that every person who attends practices hospitality of heart, life. Uh, if Red Camp is hopefully a hospitable place, if um, Temple of the Steaming Pot in its own way is very hospitable, if each sort of segment that we're a part of could really engage others as strangers that we want to have participating in our lives, that that would make sense that would go up the list from us. But being inclusive, it just feels very postmodern and squishy to me. Mm -hmm. So it, so I agree with you. It ends up falling to the, to the wayside. And it's it's also, I mean, I've, I've seen it get better just in the five years I've gone, with just even like City Plan did a great job, has been doing a good job, and with the with the um, telling or letting theme camps know it's better to be at, not necessarily an open camp, but have a space for not just having you know your own plot of land. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. having having that red camp does a great job uh, with no, no, come in here. You can hang out in here. We have a space for people who want to come in and trying to um, bring in people to your camp. I don't. I feel slightly weird walking down the road and then there's. Uh, Camp A, whatever, and there's n no real front door of their camp, and it's kind of an in kind of closed off, kind of a yeah. closed off, and and that seems the exact opposite of what I'd like it to be is more more open, more hey, this is our camp, come out check this out, you know, those types of things. It's gotten a lot better, I think, but I, th I think that's one of the things that can be worked on is to have that. Um, I mean. I spend a lot of time at Stephen Potts, so it's really, I have that, that baseline of, oh, we have two domes for people to come in, and we have coffee, and just hang out and chill with us, and it's completely open to where you can get in almost, you know, from the front very easily. And there's so many different ways of doing this. I think that it's fine for camps to have their doors shut, especially during certain times of the day, if they want to, you know, circle the wagons and know their limits. Uh, but I really think that if we just if we were looking for ways for other people to participate in our lives that I think is a better mind frame than us trying to all be one big happy family squish mm -hmm. uh, I don't know quite what that would look like so I think I think I'm with you but I also don't want to bag on you know I think uh, some people take their their insults of being a sparkle pony to a certain art form too, you know, <laughs> it's a balance of all of these things because it, sometimes it is that is funny as hell. It's a definite weird line where it is. Um, was it, I think when I think of that line, I think of French Camp. Of the, yeah, my 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 recollection of French Camp for years was, you know, walking by and them sitting on the scaffolding yelling at you, you know, and at a certain point, are they? Being dicks, or is that the way that they that is that just kind of funny? And I kind of look at that as, no, that's funny to me. And you get to yell at them back, and that's great. It reminds me of the um, at, at the uh, Renaissance fairs where you can throw the tomatoes at the guy in the wall. Yeah, and that that's what they're doing, mm -hmm. kind of. And well, you know, if I don't want to hear it, I won't walk by there. But I know that it is. That's what they do. So the, the line is way pushed back for. That specific thing, I guess. Well, I, I hope we get. Uh, if, if philosophically speaking, and I've been this way for years, whenever we start talking about lines, I get concerned. Whenever mm -hmm. you draw a line, people will manipulate it to their own good, their own. I'm not advocating any line. Yeah. Just that's it, it, there's that that spot where well, why are you calling this guy a dick? 
No, I, I, I think I know what that, you're saying. Right? Yeah, no, but I mean, we we use the language of lying. That's something we do, not you do. That's something we all do. And I think that why it concerns me is um, uh, there are specific cases in which self-expression uh, has higher consequences than others. Um, there are certain forms of self-expression that are illegal. Uh, our community is the kind of community that, when, as long as we're talking about lines, somebody's trying to push that line. What we, I think what we need to do is really push towards what better self-expression is. Self-expression that runs towards the insult is some of the less free expression that you can find. It's, it's, it's expression looking for a corner to paint itself into. Um, and good, and, and there are great insult comics in the world, or Don Rickles never would have, you know, would have starved to death somewhere. Even Tina Fey is an amazing insult comic. I mean, she really knows how to shred someone, not the least of which is herself, and that's why she gets away with it. But the genius insult comic knows how to pick something apart in a way that also opens something else up, like possibilities, and doesn't limit somebody because of who they are. Anybody that's ever going to make somebody, fun of somebody because of their disabilities is a dick, period. That's never going to be funny for me. I'm not going to stop somebody from saying it, um, but I might make sure to see that there are some consequences for that. We've had some several very serious conversations about racism at our event, and um, there are some uh, some racist behaviors that we're just I'm as a as a privileged white male. I am just now learning about some of my own racist behaviors, and I appreciate people's patience with that, and I appreciate people engaging that. At the same time, there are other behaviors that should be more clearly just objectionable. And I'm going to be one of the people that makes sure that there are consequences for that kind of behavior. So I plan to get up in people's grill if they're starting to do things that really tears down other people and closes things down. I'm more about what's going to be expansive than contractive. Um, not everybody has to be that. But that's certainly going to be the case. And I think it's how most people in the flip side community are. If we can sort of get a, mass, a critical mass of that, then I think we can continue to invite more people and more diversity uh, because we have a better goal of uh, freer and freer expression rather than sort of dumber and dumbasser expression mm -hmm. of just limiting other people. That's a waste of my time and I don't find it that entertaining or very artful. Well, speaking about that, <clears throat> when Kat did the talk, that was... That was She's amazing. That, that was amazing. She is amazing. She's awesome. Yeah. And... And that was an awesome talk because it was one of those. Um, whenever she uh, did the well, uh, you know, who points it out? Or how do you even know? You know? Does anybody even know? And and I was looking at it at, at the retreat from from my perspective. Whenever I'm in my camp, it's all right. So we have older women. We we got a, we got a black guy. All right, mm -hmm. and you know several gay people. It's we don't see it at all because and. It, that's whenever she goes, do you see the racism in flip sides? Like, no, because we're in our own little bubble here of, well, we have Devo, we have you know some gay men, and we don't we don't ever see any any of it out there, you know. And that was a very it was eye opening, you know. Whenever she was explaining some of the things that she had to go through, and it's also you get to identify the privilege that you get, that you have, and it's one thing that I've had to explain to. You know, a couple other people that's like, no, no, you don't understand. You don't have to deal with this because this is your perspective. Yeah, so another way of saying that is that 
I don't experience racism personally at Flipside because I'm white right. and people aren't being racist towards me. It doesn't mean it's not there. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't, it means that I'm experiencing, by not experiencing it, that's part of the privilege mm -hmm. that I have. It's also the one that I've always had, but I, that I've always thought of about myself is that uh, I, I learned this back in whenever I was going to college and I lived in, you know, what we consider the not greatest area of town. But I never really recognized it until years later going, well, I'm six foot two. I'm a big guy. No one's going to fuck with me. So that's my privilege right there, just based on that right there. And start, I have to start identifying with, well, this five foot two woman is not going to be able to walk through this particular area. Just, you know, I can say, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. You just walk down that way. No, I can walk down that way. That person can't. That was just one of my, yeah, I should remember that perspective too, you know. It's, well, you know what? Here's the thing about Flipside is that it's this place to be a great experiment. That again, uh, one of our, I I think there are reasons that we can talk about it for accountability reasons. We can talk about why racism is bad. For cooperative reasons, we can talk obviously why racism is bad. But I want to talk about why things like racism are against self-expression. Just because you're free to make an ass of yourself doesn't mean that you're opening up space of free expression, yours or others. Um, using using harsh or abusive language lacks a certain kind of creativity, uh, and it tends again to close down even your own expression. Uh, it, it's a limiting of, of your own vocabulary and your own place within the world, because I know how the rest of the community is going to continue to respond to that going forward. Is you're going to create a smaller and smaller space for yourself, so you're limiting your own free expression. I think what's a dangerous relationship, what's truly taunting in a good way what really is adventurous is to see about us having real conversations I sat down with a trans friend of mine this last year and and had to say alright let's let's say something out loud I haven't had a chance to say to you after having worked with you for for months uh, and getting to know you through the flip side circuit here um, you're trans and I know nothing about your experience and what would you like me to know and what would you like to share with me and the relationship earned me the place to say that and man if I didn't have my mind sort of beautifully blown in some nice little ways I saw the world through new eyes it definitely asked me to change some of my behavior without it being a harsh or confrontational conversation I just self-checked but I also thought man this creates new possibilities why aren't I asking better questions about gender why aren't I pressing some of the limits but they're better with my own expression of gender when I'm very much a cis gay male. Um, I think we will do, we will be more wildly expressive the more we do it with cooperation and accountability. It, it's the most free point to really find expression. So fuck your racism, fuck all of your other sort of abusive behavior. If you really need to feel a place to express that, I highly encourage you to open a blog and deal with the consequences there. But at flip side, I'm actually I'm hoping to create an environment with those people around me that is truly revolutionary, um, that really does um, press people's nerves to the level of wild discomfort. If you want to call me a fag, that may make me a little angry, and there's going to be consequences for it. But it doesn't press the real limits of my discomfort. Um, being reconciled to me, seeing the world very differently than me, asking me to listen carefully because your accent. Uh, requires me to give a little bit more effort to understanding you those press by levels of discomfort and they also cause me to grow and they cause things to expand
So I clearly have a lot to say in the matter, but I think flip side is the greatest experiment to do some really revolutionary and, and dangerous things. No, I agree. And the other thing is about that with <clears throat> you just learn so much with that confrontation might not be the best word, but just with having that diverse out there, you know, you would never know you know, with that conversation that you had, would you have ever known outside of it? Maybe you would have, but... I do, but the thing that's different is that we aren't diverse enough, I think, in it flip side in our, in our general population. I'd like to see more diversity. Um, there's some natural limitations, like people with disabilities are going to have a tough time being out there, but I met some people at the Global Leadership Conference that created some ways of accommodating people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'd like to see us grow racially uh, more diverse. Uh, I think we have lots of ways to grow. What uh, it's different about Flipside than the rest of the world is that there are so many opportunities for conversation, especially during a sober Flipside. Um, it's it, when you're at three in the morning and you've been talking to the same person all day, uh, or you've been bumping into that same person over and over again, or it's your third conversation about gender issues you get to levels of depth that we don't usually risk going to. We don't we we don't take the chances on each other, usually at home, that we tend to at flip side. And so that's why I press for more and more more deeply free expression that would be more diverse, uh, more honest, more naked, and press us to new levels of discomfort. Uh, that's the kind of art I hope to be creating with my life going forward. Being on being on the CC, I mean, what have you? Uh, what are the better things that you've seen just from that different perspective, of from being just a participant at Flipside but being a, a, a CC member at Flipside? What have you seen? Like, what's the difference there? What, what what kind of shift perception have you had? Well, you know, they say that when you join up to some sort of committee or something, you get to see how the sausage is made, and. Um, uh, and that's supposed to be a bad thing, I suppose. Uh, three or four years into being a burner, I said I would never join the CC or any of this bureaucratic crap. I just wanted this to be my event that did for me what it did. Uh, and then Adam Rice asked me if I would like to be uh, a part of the CC, and I somehow immediately said yes, idiotically, without really thinking about it. And I've been so <laughs> grateful. Um, what I really see is being in a, in a CC position, which is really about communication, um, that the CC is really a conduit of communication um, from one part of the community to other parts of the community that may not usually get that way. Whether that's between um, different, if we're creating opportunities for theme camps to communicate with each other, or the LLC to listen to the community, or vice versa. Um, it's just a, this conduit of multiple directional communication, and that just means I get to hear a lot of voices. So how can not that? How can that not be beautiful? I think that where I see some of the most free expression again is throughout the year at some of our meetings. Um, I learn from some of the voices that don't show up. Uh, I learn from we had some we had really great conversations about camp placement to see how different people think about different convictions within the world. So. Mostly, it's a place to hear a lot of different voices. It has challenged me intellectually. It's challenged me as a person. So I, it's been a blast. Uh, there's nothing I can say more, though. And this is, you know, I'm analytical again. I'm an academic. 
I love communication. I love people. I love diversity. So the CC is a great place for me, but I think everybody, there's something we said about not just volunteering. We do need volunteers just to run the event, but what I really encourage people to do, and I'm willing to help people to do, is to find your spot where your gifts, that what you know that you're really good at, finds a way of connecting with what the community needs, because that's where you find that magic moment of learning and growing and being pushed and interested and inspired. I feel like I've really lucked out, and the CC is a place where I'm experiencing those things. I experience flow being part of it. Um, and if anybody uh, wants more communication about what's going on in the burn community, please feel free to reach out at Doug Not Funny at all at Doug's Not Funny at Yahoo.com. <laughs> and uh, I will be glad to communicate all of my brains out. Or CC at BurningFlipside.com to get the whole CC's attention. <laughs> One thing I really liked. I started going to the meetings before I even was. I wanted to. See, I wanted to see how the sausage was made. Essentially, I did. I wanted to know what was actually happening, because all I heard were, you know, I feel like I am in a weird position of being a veteran newbie, because <laughs> with the camp, I with with the camp that I am in, I I have heard all the stories from the first one on. With Shadow being the, one of the first participants, was at the first, you know, burn, going all the way back from there and having all that infrastructure there and having every story of, I know all of it, which was really funny when they had the um, meeting about art, art, art with consequences. I have a whole bunch of stories. They're not mine to tell. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why I didn't pipe up at all. It's one of those, I could tell you some stories that I've heard, but they're not <laughs> mine. Tell. They're not mine. And the thing is, several of them were. Several of them came up. <laughs> I know. Heard about that one. Heard about that one. Yes, absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's it's really kind of funny because I, I have all the people that I camp with and the people that I know that go have been going for twelve plus years, thirteen plus years. All of them, you know. And so I hear all the horror stories about oh it's this way and this way and this way. And the real fun part is, well maybe it was, but now it's it's such a it's 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 really quite cool to see. How many people care deeply about the event and that the decisions that are made are not taken lightly or uh, not at all yeah they're not taken lightly they're 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 methodical with what they want to do and it's always in the best interest of the event regardless of you know whether you know the amount of tickets being sold or prices or whatever all that all those aspects has always been a very well what's best for the event it's not a you know <clears throat> the, the stuff that i've heard from people i know it's oh it's just this blah, 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 it's just these people no i have to kind of go okay this is kind of the way it is now and these people all have the best of interest it's really quite cool to quite cool to see and along with you know the um you know like the camp placement issue and everything that that was a remarkable no we want to talk about this let's talk about this come back next week, we'll do it, you know, that was really cool to see, and um, I, that's one of, the, one of the things that I love about going to the meetings anyway, just to see the, the interactions and whatnot, and hopefully I can pipe up with something half the time, I, 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 like I said, I feel like I'm a veteran newbie that, you know, I know a lot of stuff, but I, I just don't feel the, um, I might not have much to say. Well, communicating at the meeting is also just part of it. Again, like 
that you tie into different communities I know that than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen Pot and Red Camp, of course, are good friends. We we camp near near each other for several events. Um, but even so, you and I don't run in the same circles at all. Mm-hmm. And being able to communicate and have those conversations to help people know, you know, when we set when we don't when the LLC sets the the prices higher. They do that keeping in mind that they don't want to have to do that every year, that mm-hmm. we do have a new warehouse to pay for. All of these things are considered so that it's not, these aren't decisions being made in a vacuum. That's one thing that I can assure people being a CC member is that as a member of the combustion chamber, decisions are not made in a vacuum. There's a lot of communicating that goes on. Mm-hmm. And we want to be better at it too. It's not to say I think we've got this nailed. So, you know. Again, I can emphasize to anybody listening uh, that you can email cc at flames.burningflipside.com. You can take my burp out of that. <laughs> cc, cc at flames.burningflipside.com, and you'll have the ear of the entire CC, and we'll be glad to respond to you Absolutely and help true. you out. All right, so um, what has been one of your favorite volunteering memories? What are you, volunteering experiences? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, for the first couple of years, it was always, actually, it's hard to express how great it is to volunteer at Greeters. The first couple of years that I volunteered at Greeters, uh, and I have taken shifts at various different times throughout the event, and all of them have been fantastic. Uh, there was one particular year that as several people came through, it was at Flat Creek, our last property that we were at, and there's a particularly memorable night when we had a huge contingency from Red Camp up at the things, and we worked the late shift. We shut the place down. And in fact, I think we worked a double shift that time. And uh, I met so many people as part of the greeter station who stayed and hung out for way longer, for people, especially for people who were just arriving. It was such a great time because my friends had made that space a party um, that I played along with. Um, that as people came and joined, they stayed at Greeter Station mm-hmm. rather than rushing in to get set up. It was already dark. There was no hurry to get camp set up for them. So I made some great friends, people that later came and camped with us, some people that didn't. But I made friends I remember solely because I welcomed them to their, a couple of them to their very first burn. It was funny, and I don't like I don't like comparing you know, the um, Burning Man and Flipside, but one of the funniest things it was, it was the funniest thing because whenever I whatever the, the story is I I got picked up in Reno by uh, a girl from New York, and she specifically wanted Virgin Burners. I'm like I'm not. Oh yeah. I'm not. And the funniest part about this because I've seen because I've eaten up all of all the information on a. On all these events, right? I knew what was coming. I knew exactly what was coming, and I knew what it, what was going to happen. And but she wanted, she wanted, she wanted to see the newbies. She, she wanted to see the newbies get, you know, uh, greeted, essentially. And it was really quite funny because I, I was in the back of my mind. It was always just, all right. I know I'm going to have to roll around the dust. I know I'm going to have to do this. This is what's going to happen. This is why she's seeing it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Again, academically, I knew what was going to happen. I didn't expect that to be one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to happen out there. Mm-hmm. The the whole that that's kind of when it, when I look at the way that 
uh, flip sides of greetings. I wish we could do something like that, you know, because it was it was such a cool experience, and uh, that's why whenever I go this year, I'm trying to take some newbies. Some yeah. I want to see it too. It's the funniest thing. Oh, it's, it's seeing so new cool. people is my favorite oh. favorite thing to flip side these days. And when people come into Red Camp, um, and I if I'm bartending, man, I, I absolutely love it. Just to hear how they're doing, to hear what what kind of mood they're in, to make them a drink, and newbies, especially the first night, always have such big, wide saucer eyes. Man, I just absolutely love it. I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. Well, my favorite, my favorite uh, flip side volunteering experience actually happened this year. Uh, so far, so far, say that. Yes, right. Because yeah, because uh, uh, I opened up tickets this year. Uh, oh, and it was one of the it was one of those I just kind of wanted to see how that process a lot of these things that I do for Flipside have been I want to see how this goes you know how the sausage is made how you know garlic, that works. all that all that kind of thing and so I, I was lucky enough that they said yes come and help un undo the um, open the envelopes and it was a very I didn't expect to be attached to every single envelope that I opened you know, like oh, this is neat. Even mm. look, you know, it didn't matter if it was if it was uh, decorated. That was really cool. And, and I, I've I've been going for five years. I decorated my envelope once, first year. Haven't done it since. And after going through that, it was such a neat experience. Not just to see the decorated envelope, but the poems, stickers, things that were included. You know, even even the ones that were just please. You know, the 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 hopefully this makes it kind of thing. And I took such uh, weird ownership of. Everyone that I opened, well, I hope you get it. I hope you. I, I really hope it that that you get a ticket. Every one of them didn't even matter. Even the ones that were postmarked a day late. It's one of those. Man, maybe it was. I've been inside a post office. It might not have been their fault. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it was such the 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 feeling that I had whenever they said that there was no reason to deselect was one of the best feelings I've ever had. Just because I was so happy for every single person. Who jumped through the hoops? Because it felt like you know I'm opening up their like you know, felt like opening up their dream. You know, mm. like th this is they they put all their hopes and to to be able to get that ticket, and it was such a weird feeling, and I was so happy to do it. You know, it was really cool, and so now now it just teaches me, and because I've done that and told everyone that I've known that like this is what you should you should do this, you should go ahead and decorate that envelope, put something personal in there because it is appreciated. Every every single one of them was just really cool to see, you know. I really like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the trick is, you know, always thank people for volunteers, and we should. And I want people to stay in touch with the volunteer coordinator, uh, or I'd be glad to help you as much as I can and get you in touch with the volunteer coordinator as well. But volunteering is not the taxes that are necessary to pay so that we can have this event, which I think is one way of experiencing it. There's always so much work to be done. But really, it's, if you really, if we work together to help you find, <clears throat> excuse me, let me try that again. If we work together to help you find the right place for you to volunteer, then it's really about, again, expressing yourself and your particular gifts in a way that really is a huge gift to the rest of the community. And that's one of the most satisfying things on the planet, to know you've done a really good job at making something happen that 
I remember it was after I joined the CC. I've been going for years and loving Flipside. It was after I joined the CC. I remember driving in one time and going, this is my event. This is my event that I throw with 2,000 other people, 4,000 other people, 3,000 other people. This is something we do together. And my sense of ownership really shifted about the thing. And I felt like, oh, this is really incredible. I want everybody to have that experience. I want everybody to have two experiences with Flipside. One is that being a newbie, the moment that you realize this really is your people and welcome home. I love that moment. The second moment is when people have that moment of realizing this is us. This is our event and I'm part of this. And if there's anything I can do to help people to, to get to that, that's, um, that's what I want to help people do in life. But I will commit specifically to this community to helping people find that here. I, yeah, no, I agree. It, that is, it's. I love the fact that I. I try not to say it's my event. I, I really, I, personally, because I. It's our event. It's 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 us. You know, we put this on. We do this together. We make it run, kind of thing. To me, and I try not to take too much ownership of it because there's a lot of people who do a lot more work. Oh, sure, of course. And of course, well, that's me. And I. Yeah. I, I, that's the reason I want to talk about it too much, really. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're about to have to get out of here, man, but I appreciate you yeah, coming in. My time is running short, but I can't thank you enough for having me down here. Obviously, this has been really fun to talk about, and we'll have more to talk about uh, again in the future, I feel quite certain. Well, thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> and so on, if the series of C's will always stay close to see.